You gotta put a gate on it. If you like it, then you should put a gate on it. If you like it, then you should put a gate on it. Guys, <laughs> come on. Scotch. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I do web stuff. I'm Sam, and I make art things. And before we get started, we have a quick warning. Anything can happen on this show. We sometimes get a little rambunctious, possibly even rowdy. So if you're sensitive, if you have feelings, uh... You should not listen to this podcast. This podcast is for psychopaths only. And for people with Capgrass syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> what is Capgrass yeah. syndrome? Isn't that, isn't that the one where you literally can't feel pain? I'm pretty sure. Oh, if you can't feel pain, this podcast is for you. <laughs> right. Uh, so speaking of pain. Well, yeah, speak of it. Our first news item of the day is a mysterious one. It has something to do with Adam's hot butt. That's right. Which I'm very keen on hearing this. I don't know what this means. <laughs> so hit us hit us with the butt. Okay. Adam. So so I recently developed the hot butt. And what this is is like I said it's a term that I made up, but what it is is a frequent and sudden warm sensation just in my butt cheek. Which one? Which one? The left butt cheek. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that that was so important mm. that both of you had to ask that question. Well, I mean, if it had been the right one, I th- I would say you should probably see a doctor. Mm, but. Yeah, but it's the left one, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're right butt cheeked, you don't even need to worry about really anything. No, this is it's your, basically my one. decorative butt cheek, so it's really just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some I mean, I personally I spend a lot of time sort of doing doing training and stuff, so I'm I'm ambi butted. I can ambi butt cheeks. I could use I can use both cheeks. Yeah. yeah. So wait, when did this so, start happening? This started happening on my road trip to Houston last week. Hmm. Oh my god, my cat is screaming outside the door right worry now. Is it Christ. possible that you just had a seat warmer in the car, or you were sitting on a an animal of some sort? So I thought that maybe that's what was happening, uh, and so so I wasn't sure. I was like the whole time we were driving, I was like maybe Jenny has heated seats because I was driving her car. And somehow I just wasn't aware of that fact. So I was, it was a little, there was a long drive, and I was just like, oh, my butt's just kind of warm. Guess it's got a nice, comfy, you know, butt warmer thing on my seat. <laughs> and then we actually got there, and I got out of the car, and, you know, I started walking around, and I was like, shit. That is a hot butt. My butt is still <laughs> warm, and only my left butt. I would say this is a good thing, given that it's dis- it's December well, now. Yeah. But you live in Texas, so there is no such thing as December. What about here's a question. How hot is it hot to the touch or is this an internal Can you burn sensation? things with your butt? I think is the <laughs> Is it either a, a superpower or a medical problem? All right, so my the question is, Adam, is your butt physically hot to the touch or is it this is this a nerve sensation that we're talking about? It's a nerve thing. So my butt is normal temperature. So you're not developing superpowers, you're developing some sort of medical condition. It just exactly. feels hot. It just feels So it's kind hot. of like restless leg syndrome, but for your butt. And has this been constant <laughs> hotness? Uh, it's very, it's most of the time, basically. So two years ago, on my 28th birthday, actually. Does this hot butt legacy go back? It does. <laughs> it goes back that far. So two oh years God. ago, I was just sitting on the couch watching TV with my wife. And then all of a sudden I was like, I think my lower leg is numb right now. And indeed, my lower leg was numb. And then it just stayed that way for like two months, something like that. Towards the end of that time. <laughs> towards the end of that, that sounds time. sounds really serious. It, uh, it did. I mean, I got it all checked out and everything. But I, I learned in that process what I have always learned in these processes, which is that the medical professionals then do a bunch of tests and in the end come back and go, I don't know. And that was the end of it. <laughs> So basically, if you can't look it up on WebMD, you're also not going to get it diagnosed. <laughs> That's basically right. Well, office. I mean, the, the deal is it's pretty – well, it's actually funny because – so uh, our our dad is a surgeon, which I'm not telling you guys because you know that, Sam and Seth. What I'm he is? everybody else. <laughs> Seth, uh, bitch, lied to me. So, <laughs> so it was funny because I called him when my leg went numb and I was like uh, – because he's my, he's my go-to medical guy, obviously. And I was like, hey, my leg is numb. The fuck? And – he uh, he asked, well, which part? And I described exactly the region. And he goes, actually, no, that's not even right. 
I said the lower leg, and he goes, oh, and then he said, is it? And then he described perfectly exactly the region where it was. And I was like, mm. yes, are you some sort of wizard? <laughs> but uh, it turns out that this is actually a common problem if you have a pinched nerve in your lower back. Mm. And so it was basically just a pinched nerve. And the, only, the only question then is, well, do you have like a bulging disc that's about to rupture? Because then that's bad. But that otherwise, bad. if it's just like a pinched nerve, then it basically just means you got kind of a shitty back, but it's not really like a big deal. So, uh, and that, that was the end result, which is got an MRI and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, they were just like, looks like you have a back and that's, there's nothing in it. It's just a back. The MRI definitely shows the presence of a back where <laughs> your back is. At least, at least the lower back, which is Thanks, all they looked doctors. at. Thanks, doctors. At yep. least they could read the MRI that well. That's, <laughs> that's right. inspiring. I was amazed yeah. at how low resolution those images are, though. Yeah, I was like, how do you see anything? What's the strategy then as far as... You know, cooling the hot butt. Yeah. So, I okay, guess so the end end of that story was towards the end of it. Then I started getting a little bit of the hot butt, but then it kind of just resolved itself. I, I was basically doing lots of stretching and taking ibuprofen all the time to keep you know, right. Get some swelling down or something. Yeah, get some swelling down. And then it eventually just went away. And who knows if it just resolved itself or if those things did it. And now I'm apparently back in. Now I'm back in a pure hot butt situation. So I got no no numbness. I think it's just a it's a stress induced hot butt kind Probably of scenario. Is. It may be. It, yeah. it could also be bad posture and working nonstop related. Yeah. Uh, no, that hot butt. sounds. I think it's stress. I I, I don't think bad <laughs> posture or doing anything physical would have anything. No, prob- probably probably not. I, guess. I know things. I had what I think was a stress mediated response on uh, Thanksgiving. For, mm-hmm. So I got that. So I got that stem cell transplant to do, you know, the can the cancer thing uh, to get that done. And one of the results of that is I have graft versus host from time to time, which is where the immune system tries to kill me in various ways. And one and of the ways fails. Yeah, and fails. And one of the ways it does that is occasionally you'll just get like a ran- you'll just suddenly get a full body rash. Um, and this actually happened at the dinner table during Thanksgiving. I was, telling, I was telling a story, and then Diana looks over at me, and she's like, "Your eye is puffy." Uh, yeah, it was weird. We were we all sat down. I noticed it kind of happening. Right? <laughs> it's weird to see a rash appear right. on, like, in weird. real time. But yeah, so we sat, we all sat down at the table and everything was fine. And then Sam starts telling a story. And then I'm like, is that – did he just like have a bunch of acne or something? Yeah. And I just never picked up on it or – Nope, just a huge rash appeared out of so, nowhere. Yeah, just, just like boom on my face and my back and my chest, everything. Uh, so it took some Benadryl to make it shut up. But since then, I just have this sort of, sort of. It looks like I have some mild acne going on. And the thing man, is, you guys, you guys are some medical marvels. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I'll tell you what, healthy as a horse over here. Uh, somehow we're super old already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, well, speaking of your stem cell stuff, yeah. Tomorrow there's a thing. Yeah, so we got uh, we're coming up on day 100, which for those not in the know is the first sort of big milestone after getting your transplant. So day 100 is is having 100 days of someone else's immune system, basically. Uh, so the reason that this is particularly special and perhaps anxiety provoking is that I get a PET scan tomorrow, uh, and the PET scan is what shows if there's any cancer floating mm. around. When was your last PET scan? My last PET scan was uh, right before the, the donor transplant. And ah. that one was totally clear. Right. Which was the first time that had happened since all this stuff happened back in 2013. So uh, Totally clear. As a no There's nothing anything. on Well, there was, there was a clear damaged muscle in my back from lifting too hard, which, <laughs> which the yeah. doctor got very sassy with me about. You but, often don't see that on PET scans. Yeah. She was like, how? What? How? No, you played volleyball. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played volleyball and I got a little too intense. But um, yeah, but yeah, so it's a bit of a it's a weird thing where you know it's it's a it's an anxiety provoking day, and I guess when when most people about half of our our listens come on day one uh, from this within a couple hours. So when when you guys are listening to this is probably when I'm going to be getting put in the huge tube um, and having the scan go down. So cross your fingers. Right now, cross every all of limb. the digits of limbs, <laughs> all your appendages. Find another person, lay across them. You know, yeah. Just find cross another person, every cross one of dicks. your appendages. <laughs> yeah, cross cross every dongle you've got with some other dongle. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Don't worry about the the fallout. It's very important. Uh, the interesting thing is, I was talking to on Thanksgiving as well. Our, our uh, grandpa came down for Thanksgiving, which is super fun, and he's this you know tough as shit old German farmer dude, 
And he's like, how's your health stuff? Cubby? He's like, you look great. Cause I've got a beard and stuff. Um, which of course he hasn't seen it in a while. And he's like, you look great. Uh, you know, what's, what's going on? And I said, well, I got this day 100 next week and I've got this PET scan coming up. And he's like, what does that mean? I was like, well, a little figure out if I have cancer or not still. And he looked at me and he's like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter though. Does it? And I was like, no, you're right. Because <laughs> what's yeah. gonna the only thing that's gonna change is I'll be going to the hospital on occasion and being poisoned from time to time. Um which sounds like yeah. a small when I say only, perhaps it sounds funny, but uh it doesn't stop you from doing what you want to do, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with it, I think. So so regardless of outcome tomorrow, you know, things Though, to will be go clear, yeah, I mean, it's not great. Right. <laughs> if the, if that's the case, it's not great. It's yeah. not the best for sure. Uh, yeah, and also that's coming from from a guy who is so tough that he cut a piece of his finger off recently. Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? And exactly, like you normally wouldn't say that about somebody who recently cut their finger off. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, but he's so tough that it didn't even matter that he cut a piece of his finger. Well, off. he also hauled a trailer full of cattle or pigs or something with like two broken ribs. Yeah. He had fallen off a little bridge earlier in the day, broke yeah. a bunch of ribs. He had fallen through a cattle loading ramp. Right. Yeah. Broke two ribs and then drove a semi for twelve hours. Because he had worked to the do. hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and then he didn't even take any Tylenol. Oh yeah. He wouldn't take any pain meds. <laughs> He's like, nah, I don't I don't really like that. Stuff. He didn't take so, pain meds when he, uh, when he cut his finger off. Yes. He was and like, also when oh, he God. had a knee replacement. He had a giant open gash down his leg with blood shooting out of it. And he was just waltzing around as if nothing had happened. <laughs> so so this, that's where that's where we come that's from. That's the cloth we're cut from, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope I hope I got at least one percent of that. Right. Um yeah, so otherwise though, so so tomorrow is day one hundred for Sam's stem cell transplant. Or but also we are we are past day one hundred of playtime for our measly one hundred and sixty beta testers. So I say measly as in as a small number, not the people are measly. <laughs> I don't even know measles is not really a thing anymore, guys. Yeah, well, unless they haven't been vaccinating because they're anti-vaxxers, in which case, knock that shit off, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But importantly, yeah, it's been it's been nine days of total sort of availability of crash lands, and in that time, are hundred and what seventy two, sixty two testers, something like that. But we're at we're at one hundred and thirteen days of playtime. That's pretty good. And so you also have to bear in mind that not all of our invited testers um, actually have been able to play much. We, in the first few days, we were having a fair number of, of pretty frequent crashes on some devices. Especially and Mac and iOS. Especially Mac and iOS, um, which we've gotten worked out. But of course, a lot of our testers rushed to the beta right out of the gate. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to play it. And then it was crashing. And they're like, oh, and then they forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so... We have a number of people who haven't picked it back up again after the crash fest at the beginning. 113 days of playtime across 160 people over nine days. So, and if we take and we look at excluding testers of less than 30 minutes, which we assume either they don't like the game up front or probably uh, it just crashed like crazy on them. Um, the average playtime per person is 17 hours. So we've done, people have essentially done like a part-time job worth of, played the game <laughs> in the past week and uh the record holder currently sits at 68 hours and that's entagon which is pretty good pretty so much crushing people it. are people playing the crap out uh, i believe he changed his portrait in the chat to a picture of one of the plants which is called a hardcore and his it says i'm so and then it's a picture of the plant <laughs> a picture of the hardcore <laughs> uh, and i think the crazier thing is that the so again, like the whole point of this is to get feedback, right? And we built a bunch of tools that are integrated directly into the game that allow people to leave feedback notes whenever they see something that's weird, bugs, story, glitches, anything, uh, and also upvote other people's things and then also leave comments. And yeah, I was so, going to say, we, we didn't just build tools, we built Reddit. Yeah, we basically built Reddit for feedback. <laughs> we built a bug reporting version of Reddit on our own site. And uh, the best part of it, so we, the goal was to sort of reduce friction for people to actually give us feedback, because that's the whole point, right? We want to know everything. And so uh, I would I would certainly call it a success, which is that uh, as of current, in total upvotes and tickets combined, uh, there's been 1,676 interactions with that so that's either there i believe there's uh, a thousand and four tickets that have been sent in in total and then about 600 something 
upvotes on various tickets. And then further, you can actually leave comments on stuff so people can you know chime in with their opinion on something. If someone's suggesting a thing or a, an alternate version of what they saw, a version of a bug. And there's been 363 comments so far. And pretty good. It's insane. And you know, there's again, there's three of us managing this in the background. Our to-do list is awful right now. It's a little long. <laughs> it's getting shorter. Well, but it's getting shorter because so we like we like to do things fast. Um, we've been hitting as many of the sort of easier to fix bugs right out of the gate, getting all the crashes fixed and also implementing some new features and stuff like that. Um, and trying to respond to all this feedback as best we can. So far, we've hit uh, 15 pages of single-spaced 11-point font patch notes, uh, which is across... Well, we're now working on the eighth patch. So we've put out seven patches in nine days on this beta. So we are... Uh, making really good progress, getting lots of great uh, insight from our players and fixing a whole bunch of cool stuff. Right. And we, I think we, we've just started moving on, uh, just as a quick update as to where we're at, is it's moving on to the sort of weirder bugs that have been harder to nail, a little more slippery. Um, and that's kind of... Like, for example, we forgot to hit the checkbox <laughs> that turns on Steam for Mac users. <laughs> so... Sorry, guys. There's literally a checkbox. So Mac, yeah, yeah. Mac users have been having all kinds of trouble with just weird things that made no sense. We're like, what is the deal? And then Adam was like, is there a checkbox for this? And I looked, and sure enough, there there is a checkbox. Yeah. So... I think by Mac users, you guys should be having a much better experience. It's mostly, as far as I know, it's only going to impact your ability to to sync your saves, unless there's other stuff, which is kind of, of a big one. It, I mean, and absolutely, get, and, yeah. and get perks and have leaderboards and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's been particularly weird because we've had a lot of people say that they can't sync on Mac, but we also know that the UI that we have for dealing with synced saves is is crap, and so we couldn't tell like. Is it the UI? Is it or is it, and then it wasn't everybody What's up with these Mac. Mac users not being able to understand our UI? <laughs> you know? Jeez. <laughs> it wasn't everyone on Mac. And so then that was, that was where the confusion came in. And it turned out that the reason was that if somebody played on Mac and on Windows, then, the win- then just playing a single time on Windows was sufficient to allow their save syncing to work, even mm. on Mac. And so what? most of our testers have both. Because it buttered them up automatically on Steam. Yeah, it, it unlocked their access to all the save syncing features. And so that's why we were so confused because like half of our Mac testers are like, this definitely doesn't work. And the other half are like, works great. Oh, man. And nobody, nobody, <laughs> there's a key piece of information that, because all that most of our testers would say is doesn't work, right? Which uh, as... Because that's all they know. Because that's I mean, all they, they know, yeah. And for us, we're like, what the fuck? We don't know what to do with that, right? So <laughs> so we dig into every kind of thing we can imagine, and this was like the one thing that we just didn't think about. And then it turned out, there you go. It's that was a problem. My favorite bug that we've heard about so far uh, was from Duh, one of our testers, Duh, who said... <laughs> Duh 83, specifically. Who managed to... He was fighting a Vama, and the Vamas are huge frog beast things that basically their head sort of folds completely backward, and they just vomit out a bunch of artillery tadpoles. And usually it's about it's three to five at a time. And he apparently had one of these things was attacking him, and he hit his map button in the middle of being attacked by it. Which pauses cruises, the game. Yeah, cruised around the map for a little bit, you know, just chilling out. Closed the map, and when he came back in, somehow the Vama had continuously been spewing artillery that had not been so the artillery basically would be spawned but hadn't like started traveling because the time time stops when the map it's so as soon as he closed the map this vama's 50 to 60 artillery spread comes flying at him <laughs> <laughs> all at once not the best thing to see when you close your map apparently no, he survived that which is impressive it's impressive juke he said it was low level he probably had good armor but speaking of da 83 in our last podcast, we mistakenly attributed an idea to BSB 333 mm. when it was actually Duh 83. Uh, and that idea was to put circles on the map instead of saying, walk east in a random period of distance, whatever, and then eventually is, you may or may not stumble across the thing we want you to stumble across. Which has now been fully implemented. It's pretty. And also they have labels. Yeah. And it Yay. works great. We got lots of good player feedback once we implemented that. So thanks to... Uh, Duh 83 for suggesting it. And now things are better. Yeah. Super better. Uh, yeah. So otherwise we're just kind of, we're just kind of jamming on trying to replicate all these really hard t- 
to find bugs and just some just all kinds of stuff. And it's to a point now where there are some bugs that are so weird that we've implemented a new feature in the game called the Bork Fixer. Yep. Fixes uh, Borks. Because we, we got this philosophy where some things in a game can be broken, um, which basically means it's not working as intended and you can just go in and, and fix the problem, right? You can replicate it. It's broken. Now you fixed it. The end. Uh, and then there are some things that get borked, which means they work almost all the time. And then sometimes they just don't completely inexplicably. So... Uh, so on the loading screen of Crashlands, we now have a fixing Borks stage where it'll dig through your save file and look for problems. Uh, like we've had people with with pets disappearing. So after 113 days of, of playtime, suddenly we had a couple people have their pets disappear. Um, so the Bork fixer fixes that. It recovers lost eggs. So there'll be all kinds of things that it'll stitch up, uh, which is... Good. Which good. It saves us. It saves us a lot of headache of trying to just track those things down. Yeah, and, and and for a lot of these, the hope is that once we actually can collect enough information to find the actual problem, then we can fix the problem directly. Fix the problem. Yeah. Until then, we got to work around the bork. Exactly. Yeah, so we can yeah. use the bork fixer instead. So, uh, also we had a uh, there was an interesting article in Forbes. Yeah. This past week on single player games. Uh, Sam, did you want to? Talk yeah, about that sure. a bit. So the the article is about it was actually about Fallout Four and The Witcher, and the the focus of the article was okay. You know, we're hitting the end of the year here, and what you're going to see is basically his his point was that what you're going to see is at the top of all the game of the year lists. Weirdly, is going to be all of the single player games. So Witcher, uh, Fallout Four, and then whatever other like big ones of those came out, Far Cry or you know whatever, and. His his point was that while this is weird, it's weird that the single player sort of those big single player experiences are oftentimes looked down upon uh, in the publishing. Sort of like it's harder to get one published, it's harder to get backing for one. Um, and people's primary complaint with them is always that they want multiplayer. It's actually been the primary feature that people request in Crashlands um, is multiplayer. And his his whole this whole structure of this article is basically talking about how what it is about single player games that actually is so valuable and then also how the market is proving that that is that it's just not going away um and so he dives into you know fallout 4 and the witcher versus experiences and things like uh you know league of legends or even world of warcraft which ha does have a huge questing component to it uh, or other huge mmo spaces and i think seth, this prompted an interesting conversation between seth and i just in the kitchen where we were talking about where you know where we want to go as a studio and this does also lead to the first question that we got asked this week a bit uh which is from inspector 42 who asked, do you ever see yourself growing beyond a three-person team? You know, back when you were a two-person team, did you anticipate growing to a three-person team? Um, so I just wanted, I wanted to talk about kind of where, where we think we want to go with Butterscotch as of now. Uh, before, you know, before Crashlands launches, I think it's going to be interesting to have this conversation recorded. <laughs> launch Crashlands, see what so the fallout is. So we can look back about, on it and be embarrassed. To be super embarrassed about our folly. Uh, so what, you know, what do you guys think about that? What do, how do we want to grow the studio what's your thoughts on the kind of single player tradition after making what is a i mean it's a 40 hour game it's a 40 hour game and someone else mentioned they're like you know uh, i think it was bean uh, one of our one of our testers mentioned he's like i bet i bet crashlands 4 is going to be in 3d and i was like no no it's not <laughs> and, he, and he said and he goes hey the first fallout was in 2d yeah um the first two the first two there's two of them yeah and i was like i i guess they were <laughs> uh so yeah. i guess where you know where do you guys see us going what's as far as growing beyond a three-person team what do you see see there and in light of Crashlands and this idea of single player being a thing that's not quite like not weirdly not a big thing in the industry despite the fact that it's the biggest thing oftentimes in the industry if that makes sense to me this actually kind of goes along with what we talk about a lot uh, when we're talking about game design issues and then and especially in the context of player feedback like in a beta which is that you know there, there's a huge difference between playing a game and thinking, oh, it'd be cool if it had X, right? Mm -hmm. And then trying to design a game so that it actually has that thing. And in, in many cases, the thing that sounds cool kind of at a glance turns out to break a game fundamentally or change it so fundamentally that it's just not the same thing anymore. And multiplayer is one of those huge changes that just... It only can work in certain kinds of games in the first place. And in order for it to work, a game has to be designed with multiplayer at its core. 
Otherwise, like you can't just tack it on. It doesn't make any sense to to do that. What would you say about something like Terraria, though, as a sort of counterpoint to a degree? With that? well, to me, Terraria is a is a multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah uh, that's true. It's not it's not actually fun as a single player game, but there's a reason <laughs> for that, and that reason is that the only thing you can do is craft stuff, right? The combat, I mean, the combat is is challenging, but not in an interesting way. It's challenging because things have lots of hit points. Mm-hmm. Or they throw lots of stuff at you, right? But there isn't a lot of... Uh, uh, it's mostly just about always getting the next best thing, and then you go fight, right? Uh, the the part that makes it fun is when you go into multiplayer and everybody's doing different stuff. You're building these giant, you know, cavernous bases and fighting things together. Um, well, I, I think the multiplayer component actually, it allows you to make something that's effectively a toy um, without having to dump really very many resources into it. So I think about yeah. what I think about what Minecraft is, which is an extremely lightweight and content light um modding engine, yeah. right? Where most of most of what people do in Minecraft is they they download a whole bunch of different mods that add all kinds of interesting stuff to the game and then they play with their friends. Uh if you were to just download Minecraft as is and play it completely by yourself and never play with anybody um it it kind of loses steam pretty quickly well yeah uh, the, the world feels it feels actually very empty it feels socially empty because there's nothing to talk to there's no story yeah you have no reason for for being there yeah um so i, I don't know I, i've been thinking more about kind of the so i think terraria and minecraft are are, are pretty cool as multiplayer games because of the sort of co-op nature mm-hmm. of them um, in the sense that, you know, you get on there with your buddy and unless you specifically go onto one of those, you know, modded servers where it's like a first person shooter in Minecraft or whatever, um, that's a different story. But, uh, I've been thinking about, somebody made a comment about this article, which was basically something like, I, there, there are two really big memories that stand out to me in gaming. And, you know, one is from single player and one is from multiplayer. And the single player one is the first time I saw the Deku tree in, was Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Uh, and the second one was when uh, Blaze Kid 420 in Call of Duty told me that he fucked my mom. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> uh, because like once you bring a human element into an adversarial multiplayer game, then the gameplay experience sucks. Uh, it spirals out of control, yeah. right? And so, uh, and and you even I even think about things like Hearthstone. You know, why is it? that people love playing Hearthstone so much, is it possible that a, one of the contributors to that is that players aren't allowed to talk to each other? You can All you can do chat? is use... You can you, you can only use predefined emotes. I believe there's six of them or something. So you can just be like, hello, or thank you, or that's about it, right? Mm. Um, so, they, so Blizzard was like, okay, we have a competitive game, and that's all it is. The whole game is fight each other. Uh, and we want everybody to play this. How do we make that work? I know. Make it seem as if you're not actually playing against another human being by not letting them talk to you. Yeah. Um, and then it's enjoyable all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we've uh, seen this actually with uh, League of Legends just announced last, I think, a couple of days ago. Uh, they're adding they're adding like a bunch of interesting features to the game in uh, next year. And they're actually locking trolls out of all those features. Yeah. So there's like a crafting, a little crafting component and some like skin, just like a bunch of interesting things that they're adding. Um, but basically, if you've gotten enough negative reports, you literally don't get to participate anymore because nice. they know, they know 100% that their biggest problem is just the fact is that their players, is their player base tends to be, tends to be negative. And it's not because, and I guess the interesting thing is, is it's a natural consequence of putting people into adversarial relationships, right? Um, and so I think what, what, uh, with the interesting thing that we had discussed about Crashlands in particular, there, there are a few ideas that we've kicked around, which are very much you know on the back burner. So don't don't expect any of these to actually happen. Uh, but it's fun ideas that we kicked around as far as how to integrate how to integrate people's you know that social element into the game with more of a sort of cooperative piece to it and more more of a sort of world building piece to it without having to completely overhaul the game and add in the actual physicality of another person being in it with you yeah. because that's technically that would just we would. It'd be a better idea for us just to make Crashlands 2, frankly, um, as far as time input. That's the more likely scenario right. anyway. Exactly. I mean, actually, I loathe most competitive multiplayer games unless I'm playing them with people I know who aren't assholes. 
Right. Same thing, actually. I actually <laughs> don't play League of Legends unless I play with my friend who lives across the hall. Yeah. At which point, at which point, it's kind of like playing a co-op game. It is yeah. with your friend. <laughs> exactly. I like multiplayer when it's co-op. Um, and and even competitive can be okay. But the fact is that most, the vast majority of people in 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 any kind of relationship, whether it's you know you with your spouse or your best friend or some rando you barely met, the vast majority of of people don't. They just don't respond well in in competition. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Like people, they want to win, and then they, you know, they get pissed when they're not winning, and then they take that out on themselves or others in, in all kinds of ways. You know, why why have that be the, be a thing? There's just no there's no reason that we need to. Yeah, I think we're not particularly interested in making those things. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if you especially if you think about our "don't be a jerk" policy, um, the more I've thought about this, the more I've come to believe that. We cannot have a don't be a jerk policy and also have a, a an adversarial competitive multiplayer <laughs> game yeah. Yeah. because we wouldn't have any players. Right. We wouldn't have enough to support the game. To support the server cost. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to make games that bring people together and don't put them against each other. Well, we talked about this with regards to – so one of the, the biggest events on a cooperative scale that I think uh, – that we've seen in the in the gaming sphere that's been so impressive was the gates of Encourage opening in World of Warcraft. Uh, and what that required was a literally the entire server's worth of one faction, so your horde or alliance, uh, to co- basically cooperatively collect just a vast, vast amount of resources to put towards what they call this war effort. And this is this is the idea that that sort of spawned that system that we built in Narwhal Online, the game jam game where as players sort of collectively collected a particular resource that information got sent up to the server the server would check where the entire global population was in collection of that resource and then would unlock additional content in the game based on that um and that that aspect i think is something like doing things on a huge scale or sort of for a greater a greater purpose is one of the really cool things that i don't think has been explored frankly very well uh, despite the fact that it would be one of the best things and the easiest things to explore in the gaming yeah. space. Well, and what's what's even kind of hilarious about that uh, on Karaj thing is is for the average person, it was a really cool, inspiring community event. Um, but there was one person who could ring the gong to finish the event and open up the gates, um, or just a handful of people on the entire server of tens of thousands of people. And in order to get that item to do that, uh, you basically had to step on a lot of people. <laughs> uh, guilds disbanded because of this. People attacked each other on the forum. I mean, it was it was really, really uh, brutal and messy. So because of the fact that like, you had this community event, but you also had a scarce... You had an adversarial event. On yeah, top. So, so suddenly it becomes a, you know every man for himself kind of a, a scenario. So we definitely would need to avoid right. that aspect. And I think going, so going back to the question of the, you know, this, the, the, the predominance of single player games at the top of a lot of game of the year lists, despite the fact that they're very rarely made just compared to, I mean, look at Star Wars battlefront easiest example of one of those things that people are like, what did you, why didn't you do what happened? What happened, man? <laughs> Where'd the story go? Uh, it's literally just multiplayer. Um, it has uh, I think it has one game mode that people actually play which has four maps, right? And it's a sixty dollar or fifty dollar game. Well, it's and it cool. probably what was a hundred million dollars to make or something like that. Something ridiculous, I'm sure. Yeah, probably just the licensing fees. Yeah, that's probably put true. to slap the Star Wars name on it. Yeah. But and I think when it when it comes down to it, I guess as far as where we think we're going as a studio, um, I think we'd like to make what is what are essentially you know these these larger storytelling uh, single player games that have some really sort of smart and positive social component to them that can be opted into, right? So, or, or as maybe forms the core of it in a, in a really positive sense, like the Narwhal Online method. Um, Ooh, and we want to come up with some mechanism in some nearby future game of, uh, of creating a sort of guild system mm-hmm. through Bscotch ID. Yeah. Which... We've talked about a, a bit in the past. Um, so far, there's no serious plans on the table to do it, but it's always sort of at the forefront of our thoughts of how do we get people to really like, you know, form form together as communities. Yeah. As and the big thing right now is there's just 
we don't yet have anything in the Beastcatch ID universe of games that you can do as a community. So, so that next step will kind of both dictate. shape and dictate, you know, what and depend on uh, what we decide to do for for the next kinds right. of games. But what do you guys think about as far as growing beyond three people? Because I think we've gotten a lot of interesting uh, feedback from our testers. I mean, we've been working our asses off the last uh, week, obviously, with the beta stuff um, and the week before that. But we've got a lot of interesting points where people are like, how are you guys handling this? I mean, we, we have, you know, we have these this bajillion long list of feedbacks and also somehow managing to do the podcast and keep on top of this other stuff and prep for PR things and everything else. And so uh, what do you guys think as far as this, this question of growing beyond a three-person team? To me, it's the same as what we, the three of us, have talked about in, in the past internally, which is I, I like the rate and the scope of the things that we can and want to produce. Mm -hmm. And I don't like the idea of making things that are so big, we can't just kind of have our hands in all of it. You know, right? It's fun to be there for the, every piece. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun to be able to look at the thing and be like, this this is really my responsibility. Like I created this thing. Yeah, uh, I, I can't really imagine putting myself into a position where I don't have my hands inside the guts of the game yeah. on a daily basis. You You're know? so handsy, Seth. <laughs> but I think uh, we we and we had talked about basically uh, the kind of the next move would be to to hire some people to handle the more administrative side of stuff mm -hmm. and maybe the, some of the PR side and, and the, the part that's not making games that we would, we, we would look at expanding the studio to do that. I mean, there are a whole bunch of really cool things that we want to do that also just themselves expand outside of games like merchandise uh, and cross promotion and cross branding and that sort of thing. And uh, we just don't have the time or resources to do that. On top of making games. It may be the case that if, you know, if Crashlands goes extremely well, then we just won't have to worry about the amount of time it takes to do X, Y, or Z thing. Yeah, I mean, though it always is the case that any time we spend doing that is not spent towards the next game. Exactly. So, so while it is true that we could afford to do it, it does always come at the cost of the next game. Right. So I think we, we want to maintain a pretty, a pretty solid rate of output, uh, which to us basically means, I, th I think in a sense, figuring out how to create an additional layer of support staff support around the idea of you know getting these games done and made yeah it would be exactly it would be it's basically like editing staff. the podcast for example yeah, yeah I, I honestly <laughs> have to say after working on crashlands um with just bearing in mind that when we came into developing crashlands as even just as a as a two-person team we had no absolutely no way to do it with mm -hmm. all with all the things that we wanted to do in the game there was just no way that we were going to pull this off. Uh, but instead of just being discouraged by it, we just did a bunch of research for each item. And I feel like it's that, uh, that like that line at the end of the Martian, which spoiler alert, he, he gets off of Mars, um, <laughs> uh, where he says, you know, at a certain point you're going to, you're going, everything is going to go South on you and you're going to basically just be like, Oh shit, this is it for me. Right. And then you just start solving problems and you solve the next problem and the next problem and the next problem. And pretty soon you've solved enough problems and you're done, right? Um, which is kind of what happened with us at the beginning of Crashlands. We just kind of hit a point where suddenly we we solved all the problems. Uh, and now we have a game, right? So I mean, it's a, you know, it's an analogy in a lot of ways to to the cancer diagnosis shit too, right? I mean, it's, yep, it's just one th one thing at a like, time. How do I how do I do this? And then it's well, you know, go talk to this person, talk to this person, now get your sides cut open, now go get some drugs, get that done. And yeah. then if it doesn't work, which it fucking didn't the first time, then here's some other things to do. And if it doesn't work again, we're going to keep on doing stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, in thinking about what we've been able to do with Crashlands, just, just by approaching it in this very piecemeal, step-by-step -step fashion, you know, not, not getting overwhelmed, just looking at each new... uh obstacle as actually an opportunity to learn something cool um we've made something that's so huge that uh, a lot of our testers have have asked us how it's possible that we actually did this um well, as a and team we, of this we sort of are in a little bit of disbelief ourselves but the thing is you know it's it seems crazy because it's so big but at the same time it's just a it's just an amalgamation of yeah, lots it's just a bunch of small things of, tiny parts right yeah so in in thinking about it from that perspective i honestly just i can't imagine any more 
a game project that we would come up with where I would sit back and go, yeah, we need another person to do that. <laughs> right. Like, I just, I can't, I can't imagine what we would try right. to after, do. After building something of this scope, you mean? Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, we, we could build something twice as big as this, um, in, in two years now, because now we know more, right? We've, right. we've been through it. We've learned a lot of things and, uh, we have a lot of new technologies at hand. We have Adam who's great at automating things yeah. for us. Well, that's been um, the biggest crazy thing is the, the story element addition was just nuts because our plan originally was like, okay, well shit, I guess we'll just make three boss fights. That was the original plan it was one boss fight true, at the end yeah. of each zone. Because yeah. we didn't have the tech in place to be able to reliably do anything. And now it's 50,000 words. Yeah. And when we were at Indie PopCon, which was in July, so five months ago, right. we didn't have any aspect of the Crashlands creator hooked up to the game at all. And actually, the Crashlands creator was not quite finished at that point. Right. The tutorial um, was actually hard-coded, right? The, I manually coded the tutorial <laughs> yeah. to get it ready for Indie PopCon. And just forced it to exist. And uh, so five months later, we have the Crash Games creator is finished and we have 50,000 words worth of story in the game. So we basically have a novel. Um, so, of course, if you were to just sit down and go, I'm going to write a 50,000 word story, you're not going to do it. But if you spread it out over a couple of months, if you just every day, you just chip away at it, you know, mm -hmm. it just gets done. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I mean, it's been really good. Crash Games has been really good, I think, for us to just learn how to not be intimidated by absolutely anything. Right. And I think, I do think the other important piece here is that the, in my mind, there's a big piece of growth as far as growing beyond the three person team, which actually has to do nothing with hiring more people and more on growing the community to be a more powerful. Yeah, absolutely. A more powerful source of both, of both content with stuff like the crash dance creator. Um, but then also just in terms of, of, you know, we, we like to think of our, the people who actually play our games and our fans uh, as, pretty pretty solidly as partners in in the sort of enterprise because again as a three-person team like when we do this this beta testing you know we all three of us played through the game the entire game and fixed every bug that we saw and we were like this seems like it's good to ship but i guess we'll this beta thing test is it. bug free holy shit <laughs> 1600 notes of feedback later no it's not you know absolutely it's not, not even close to bug free. and the truth <laughs> matter is that 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 ability to pull on the community for that aspect uh and really, frankly, get like empowered and picked up by that, you know, 170 people is so huge. And I'm wondering, I'm, you know, I, I think it'd be really fun to explore other ways of, of leveraging that community power to something really, really, really cool and impressive. Yeah. Well, if, if we have people who are really pumped and want, and want to get more involved and, um, you know, they, they like what we are creating and they want to see more of it happen and, and help us in any way that they can, then, uh, you know, we will happily take that help. Yeah. We just, we just have to figure out how to make it easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's get on to the uh, next question. Sure. And also, these questions come from uh, podcast.bscotch.net. These are asked by Bscotch ID members, and you can also vote for questions on there. So, uh, so we just kind of go down the list and pick the most top upvoted questions from each week. Uh, so the next question for today is from Gafferman with eleven upvotes. Gafferman says, will the world in Crashlands loop around melon style or will it be one large flat surface with a reachable end pizza style? Mm. Okay. I have to say though, this is wrong on two counts. <laughs> okay. I already uh, know where you're going with this. The first one is that it, it would be a weird pizza if it was pizza style because it's a rectangle. Yeah, it's but there are rectangular pizzas. There are though. rectangular pizzas. But there are not that many rectangular pizzas that are the size of the Netherlands. It's true. Not enough. Not enough of them. Anyway. Yeah. I think there are cookies of that size. But I hope so. Um, so when you see a game where you walk up the top, off the top, and you emerge from the bottom, right? So think uh, any any map in like a Final Fantasy game. You walk off the top of the map, you come off the bottom. Or Pac-Man. Right. Easiest example, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you move off the right side, you emerge from the left. That is actually not a melon shape. The only geometric shape that that movement type would work with is a donut. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to leave it at that because it's kind of – every time I tell people this, they don't believe me. <laughs> uh, so just – just look it up. Just look. I think on Google, you can just type in something like uh, game world maps are donuts or something. 
and you can see exactly how it's put together. It's really interesting. So yeah, I guess to recap, Crashlands is a huge rectangular pizza. Yeah, it is pizza style. Most it's games, huge rectangular pizza. Most games that have any sort of looping from screen to screen, they're donuts. Actually, they're donuts. Melons, There's, melons are getting left out in the cold. Yeah. There's very few melons uh-huh. in in gaming. No, we should also um, add a Kerbal note Space here. Program has melons. That's probably true. Uh, yeah. We should add a note here, though, which is that the world of Crashlands is big enough that it might as well be an infinite plane. Right. Um, might, well, you could get to the edges of it in several hours. Yeah, if you walk running. straight and don't interact with anything for several hours. Well, like seven, ten hours? I don't know. It, no, I think, it, it, I think it's while. actually only like three or four hours if you don't interact oh, okay. with anything. Yeah, and, and if you, you can, can make a straight it. shot. Yeah. So if you if you really wanted to, you could get there. Um, I mean, it, there's not a great reason to do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you really <laughs> you wanted to. You achievement for it, though, I think. Uh, we that we should weird. probably do something. We we talked about doing something weird once you got to the end. Um, well, we were going to spawn a wall of death that just slowly encroached upon the land for yeah. fun. The great <laughs> thing, right. the great thing about it, though, is you know you will have explored less than probably a, a hundredth of a percent of the map at that point. Less than probably less than a thousandth of a percent oh, yeah. of the map. Um, so good luck. On that one. All right. So next question comes from Mia Kitty, number one Australia fan, uh, with 10 upvotes. She says, so, is all caps, so, who did the web stuff before Adam joined? Or was he always unofficially official web developer? I was not. He was not. Adam was getting his PhD. He was busy. He was doing science. Uh, I was the web person before, but my... I, I can do I can program in all the web languages, all of them. Well, the five that matter. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, so HTML, PHP, CSS, JavaScript, and MySQL. Is that five? That's the that's the set. Is that the set? Um, and weirdly, in web programming, you kind of you in order to build really interesting reactive websites, you need to do that. But importantly, just like how we use GameMaker, we didn't we never rolled anything ourselves for the first until Adam got on board. Because we wanted to build games, not websites for the games. So we used Blogger to host ButterscotchShenanigans.com. And just, I basically just, even it is, as it is today, it's still actually just an extremely modified template. It's, it was all hacking. Yeah. So that's, and that's how I would always describe my coding. I think Adam actually programs. No, it's uh, still mostly hacking. But. It's, yeah. Okay. All of us just kind of hack stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the answer to the question. We do stuff until it works, and then we don't touch it. And we used to use uh, <laughs> we used to use Create Send for our newsletter as well, which yeah. now we roll our own engine in the background for that too. Yeah, I I personally, for me, the internet is just a series of mystery tubes. Yeah, I I don't know what's going in or what's coming out. Uh, so I mean, I only barely know. So we're but that's progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but you're at that stage where you know enough to know what you don't know. That's true. I don't even know that much i feel like there's a there's a a point in your life where once you've learned some things you feel like you know everything and then once you learn a little bit more you realize you don't know anything at all yeah so i'm still way way earlier way early on that peak um okay next question comes also from me we got a we got a mia kitty quadruple play on this one Mm -hmm. uh also and they all have 10 upvotes nice i don't know seems suspicious mia kitty asks (laughs) What device devices do you test your games on? Have you got extra devices to try with to make sure they work? Or is that the sole reason you require beta testers? Uh, it is one of the big reasons we require beta testers. It's definitely not the sole reason. Yeah, though. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, um, we used to, when we was just like Quadrupus, uh, it was one of the big reasons we needed beta testers because we didn't have the upfront capital to actually just go buy you know $2,000 worth of various devices that were going to go obsolete in six months. Um Quadrupus was tested on my wife's iPhone 4 that she got from her work. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then your Android devices. Right. And my Galaxy S3. All of us yeah. have, uh, have Android devices. And then uh, we bought a Mac so we can actually test on the Mac and build for the Mac. And, and Seth and I both have iPod 5s. Right. That we test Which our sucks iOS builds. Because apparently we what I thought was that the iPod five had the same overall general tech specs as the iPhone five. Just not a phone. It, it does not. The nope. iPod five only has five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM. 
which is enough to run the OS and one super tiny thing. Yeah. It can't actually run Crashlands. Yeah, Crashlands requires one gig of RAM total on the device. So all of the iOS testing has been done so far. So whenever we send a build out, uh, we don't actually know if it works. Yeah, because Crashlands chills at like 250 megabytes of RAM. Um, but when really intense things are happening, like when load, when you know campaign files are being unpacked or loading is happening or something, um, it can spike into like the 300 range. And then at that point, if your device only has 512 megabytes of RAM, you're done. So that means every iOS build that we've put out of Crashlands, we haven't actually it's been untested able to, by us. We haven't been able to test <laughs> internally. And this is, you know, this is a certainly a process hole for us. But after Crashlands launches, maybe we'll be able to actually <laughs> splurge get a new iOS Afford, to yeah, get a new iOS device. device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one of my I guess tasks for the for the week is to see if I can figure out how to reduce some of the memory requirements. Because if we can, we might make it actually playable on iPod fives and and similarly uh, low spec devices. We'll see. Who knows? Um, okay. So uh, next question also comes from me, Kitty Tana, votes number one Australia fan. <laughs> Purple Monkey Dishwasher Bad Boys. That's that's. I'm not just making shit up. That's the first part. <laughs> Uh, I love the creative and awesome tastical names you give things. Weirdest catchphrase you've heard and or come up with and have a random word party on air and we'll vote for the best one. Mm. It's putting us on the spot. Yeah. So we don't really, most of our creative ideas come from just slapping two things together. Slapping our sticks Basically. together, essentially. Our word sticks. Yeah. Um, another another time where weird things tend to emerge is after we've been working on a thing for for dozens and dozens of hours, for and we just have long. no we have no juice left, and whatever word salad comes shooting out of our salad shooters, that's mm-hmm. that's what lands in the game. I think if you want a good example of uh, another good example of this, Olin Rogers, uh, his videos are fantastic on YouTube, and he his sort of speech style feels very similar and apparently what he does so i think all of us just kind of after a brief period of time if we're trying to come up with a name for something uh essentially just the filter comes off completely and so the 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 really weird word associations start going and then and then funny things happen it's typos misspoken things and then word associations that like we just kind of let continue along their paths until they become something entertaining it's right. almost like that uh, that experience you often hear about, where somebody goes boozing too hard, and then they wake up the next morning next to somebody, and yeah. then they got then they got to face the music. That's kind of that's kind of how we how we roll with our game. I mean, for example, there's a there's a weapon in Talfight. There's a projectile called the Shalok. Oh yeah. So I believe it's at the grip is wrong. Some kind of a clam a with clam. a knife for a tongue. Yeah, it's a clam with a knife <laughs> tongue. It's apparently a thing that is on that is on the planet of Wonop. Um but the creation of the name for that was actually because I, I think I, when I sent the image to Seth, I just quickly, you know, typed, I was trying to type clamshell, I think, and just completely, like, my fingers were just in the wrong place on the keyboard. But then you were just like, fuck it, and you just sent it to yeah. me. <laughs> so Seth was like, Shalok, what the hell is this? And I was like, I don't know, it's what it is. And he's like, all right. Yep, that's true. That is what that is. <laughs> so that's where it's they come now from. Yeah, and actually, I think if you want another example of of words coming out of exhaustion, just listen to last week's podcast. I think at a cer- at several points, I was trying to say some things, and I just gave up mid word and just crammed some syllables in there, mm-hmm. including anniversarand, mm-hmm. which <laughs> right. I've never said before. Uh, probably will never say again. Probably not. Uh, all right, the last question of the day. Also comes from me, Kitty Nemo, Australia, fan me. Uh, <laughs> ten upvotes. Having now undergone this kill the cancer roller coaster ride twice now, mm. this is for you, Sam. Uh, what advice would you give to someone just starting, mm. and how would or could you make that into a fun educational game to help others struggling to deal? Ten percent profits if you do make it. <laughs> uh, well, I w- Wait, if we answer this question, are we agreeing to that last yeah, stipulation? Yeah, uh, legally binding. We've got to lawyer up. All we have to do gym. is just, before we start talking, say we don't agree. <laughs> right? Yeah. 5%. That's how law works, I'm pretty sure. 
if you listen to the show regularly, you know that Crashlands came out of the diagnosis. So in a in a big way, in a big way, this is the game that is designed to help other people. Uh, it's just not designed to do so in an overt, oh, you're killing cancer way, except for if you've made it to the bog, the intensive treatments quest. True. Uh, which Unless you that, investigate. Is that quest broken or does it work right now? It works now. I okay, think so. cool. Um, so you actually, you, you can kill a massive cancer in, in Crashlands if you'd like. But the whole point of the game, the design of the game is it's built to be a large scale thing that, that if you're going through some shit, that will just be so fun and enjoyable that you will forget and I think that's it's kind of why that's kind of why it exists as the point of the game in the first place um it doesn't have any educational component aside from the fact that that you know on a on a theme level you got this person in the game flux who's just trying to do her damn job and gets roped into essentially an epic level uh you know conquest which is again a sort of small metaphor for just going through something like cancer where you're just trying to do your thing and then Hugo Duco appears so to speak uh so so what would be the best, what would be like the one core nugget of badassery that you would pull out of that? Like out of, out of the whole two years now of going through all these treatments and whatever, like what is a thing that you could just give to a person if they just got it like diagnosed today? Well, I think that the most important thing to do is to just not stop doing whatever you're doing um, in the sense that. Kind of like what we what we talked about earlier when I was chatting with Grandpa, and he was like, "Well, I guess it doesn't matter either way, you know. If tomorrow comes and you got cancer again, apparently, then yeah, that that particular aspect of your life has certainly been changed. There's going to be a lot of upheaval and a lot of crap going on. But at the same time, you, in most cases, you're still going to have the power to do whatever it is that you actually want to do. And in actually, in many cases, the urgency of that fact is going to become crystal clear to you. And the fact that you weren't using your time pr- well previously." is going to be a really painful realization. Um, so if anything, the, I mean, the cancer acts as, as this clarifier that the only thing that has ever been stopping you from doing what it is that you want to do is you. And you can you can pin the blame on, on a good variety of things, but uh, at the end of the day, you can still be a total badass in your work, in your love life, in your, in your friendship circles, whatever else, when you're dealing with something as ridiculously life-upheaving as a cancer diagnosis. And I think that, that to me is the thing that I see so many, or I've talked to so many people cause I do, I, I have people reach out every so often when I do a Facebook post or something like that, who have just gotten diagnosed and they're, you know, they, they ask a similar question, which is, you know, uh, a, how, how did you maintain what appears to be an extremely positive outlook? You know, the entire time they're like, I know I don't know you, but I read all your posts and, and it looks like you didn't have that terrible of a time. And the truth is I didn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't because it's an easy thing to do. Uh, it's because I refused to, to not do the things that I wanted to do. And essentially what, what ended up happening was you just decided to have a good time, right? Well, I decided to actually do everything that I was trying to do more is the truth. You know, I saw my friends more. I saw my family more. I worked, I changed the project I was working on, you know, by working with you guys and, and focusing on, on making something that mattered. And, and it was a huge, you know, the first time around, honestly, felt like a big, uh, gift in a lot of ways. I, but frankly, I do wish it would have stopped there because doing it twice is not really necessary. But, <laughs> yeah, twice. Uh, you, just, you just need the one. Yeah, you just one and honestly, done. you just need the one. Um, yeah, have, having to do it again, not a particularly good thing. I'm interested in doing. Um, also, my headphones are shorting out. Oh God! <laughs> I had the, a couple weeks ago, my headphones were actually shocking my ear holes. <laughs> trying to move it. It's just shocking it was... me. <laughs> 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 okay, I got. It. <laughs> Oh, shit. I, I have to wonder. So, Adam, I have, a, I have a question for you kind of about this. Do you think that if Sam hadn't gotten his first diagnosis, if none of this had ever, none of this cancer shit had ever happened, do you think you would have joined Butterscotch? I don't know. I mean, that, that was definitely a large part of the impetus. Because I, I kind of got the sense that for you it was kind of like, I want to do stuff with my brothers now. Right. Like, I want I want to yeah. be around while all this shit is happening. And so the easiest way for that to happen was to, to jump on board with the company. Yeah, I mean, that was absolutely most of the incentive. So yeah, I mean, my guess is that I probably would have just stuck along the path, you know, just stuck with my inertia, right? Just stayed on the path that I was going on. But hmm. because of all the shit that was going on, I was like... So in, in an interesting way, just just as it was a, a sort of a 
catalyst or a crystallizer for for Sam, it did the same thing for you. Yeah, well, I mean, in because for me, like I like right. games and I like making games, but even still, it was never a, like that. That's still not my primary interest. My primary interest is actually running a a fun company with my family, and then the games are the thing that we. <laughs> the games are like what we're doing, right? Uh, but. But that part isn't isn't the important part, and so so for me to like to leave doing science to go make games was never never quite what it was, and and without having that strong you know I guess more drive to to need to go do it, uh, I probably would have just been stuck with it. I mean I'm, I'm I have absolutely no regrets, and if anything, like it's worked out very much in my favor to, to do it, uh, but. Even still, you know, like I mean, inertia is a powerful thing, especially when you're on a track like an academic track. Because I spent a long fucking time in school, and then I was, you know, in a PhD program, and like the next steps in that are all just really, really long. And the easiest thing, actually, I mean, it always sounds like to people, you know, talking about other people doing medicine or or PhDs and that kind of stuff, they're like, oh, that sounds so hard and like so much work. And it's it's actually, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's actually the easy path because all you do is you get on it. And then just keep on working. <laughs> you right? just follow the steps. That yeah, have been you laid just out. exactly. You just keep on following the steps. And and so for me to leave those was was weird. And and while I didn't have a particular plan in mind, what I most likely would have done would just be to stay on the path. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, it's you got you got blessings and curses. Well, thanks, cancer. You blurses. piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, fucking cancer. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's good, good can come out of it. For sure. So. Crashland right. certainly didn't. Seems like it might be pretty good. Might be. Yeah. 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 Good uh, job, Sam. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, guys, that's uh, that's all we got time for. So we'll end on that weird cacophony of racket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So this has been Coffee with Butterscotch, and uh, we are Butterscotch Shenanigans. If you want to check out our games, head over to games.bscotch.net. Play the crap out of those. Um, and, of course, we have all kinds of newsletter and all kinds of other stuff. So get yourself a Bscotch ID, get signed up. And we also have a great community over at forums.bscotch.net. So come on over there and say hello, and we will possibly uh, you know, wave back. And uh, that's all we got, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.